Sawbones is a show about medical history, and nothing the hosts say should be taken as medical advice or opinion. It's for fun. Can't you just have fun for an hour and not try to diagnose your mystery boil? We think you've earned it. Just sit back, relax, and enjoy a moment of distraction from that weird growth. You're worth it. All right. Tommy is about some books. One, two, one, two, three, four. Sawbones, Marital Tour, Misguided Medicine. I'm your co-host, Justin McElroy. I'm Sydney McElroy. Sid, I am getting excited. The high today is 70, and it's going to be in the 80s through the weekend. And you know what that means. You're going to wear those shorts that I love. Oh, And I'm going to yeah. see those cute calves. Can you see those getaway sticks? I love those calves. I, don't know, I can't it, get enough of them. It also means I'm going to get out to the pool, Sid. I'm All gonna, right. I like that plan. Then get my goggles on. I'm going to throw a change to the bottom of the pool and go get it. I'm going to work on my base tan. Um, no, you're, I'm not going to let you do that part. No, but, I'm not going to do that. But, but carry on. That's okay. We'll, yeah. we'll do other things. Everything. Like all that stuff's in. I'm um, um, going to just swim around. Well, you know, something else you could do. What's that? If you had polio, you could do some hydrotherapy while you're in there. Okay, well, I mean, that is definitely not one of the usual things that I think of when pool time fun is on the menu. I'm just trying to think of all the things you can do in the water, you know, just... Well, pee, okay? There, there's mine. There's my thing. Do you pee in the pool? Do you treat your polio in the pool? Well, I don't have polio. Okay, well, I don't have pee, so I guess we're even. You don't have pee? What is pol- That's a much bigger problem. Can I tell you something, Sydney? Hold on, wait. Do you not pee? Because we need to back up and address Can this. I tell you something? I don't know what polio is. Well, that's okay, Justin, because okay. I'm going to tell you all about it. Okay. And then you're going to know what it is by the end of this episode. That's the way it works, baby. Okay. And by the way, can I just say, do you know why you don't know why what polio is? Why? Vaccines. What? What? But we'll get more to that later. I want to thank a few people who recommended this topic. Mm -hmm. Uh, First of all, Nicole, Megan, Jennifer, and Jessica all recommended this. And Emma. Emma wrote us an email recommending polio. Uh, Emma is 13, and she read a book about it, and she thought it would be interesting for us to talk about. And she also said, Justin, that your goofs have helped her make friends. If if you can believe it, your goofs. That's so funny that when I was in middle school, it worked literally the exact 100 percent opposite <laughs> way so i'm glad to, to, to hear that's working out for you also i'm so that so many women are listening to the program yeah absolutely and are interested in polio get in those stem fields ladies get up in there so polio said all right what is it so uh polio is a disease that's been around a really long time it dates back to antiquity. And the reason we know that is because we read descriptions like from the ancient Egyptians and see uh, hieroglyphs of people, especially children, 
who have a withered limb or who are using some sort of uh, like assistive device for walking, a cane or a crutch or something, or, or a description of some sort of infantile paralysis is what it was often kind of referred to. Um, so we can deduce from that that polio has been around a long time, but nobody really knew what it was. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, we just, somebody would, would get really sick and some people may end up paralyzed and then it didn't happen for a while and so nobody thought about it because it was mainly sporadic cases. Polio is interesting when, in that when we really think about big outbreaks of polio, the stuff that makes us scared, why, why we, even if you don't know much about polio, you kind of know it's something to be scared of, is really from the 1900s on. And that's when we start seeing the big epidemics that we, that we kind of talk about. So relatively new in the popular conscience. Exactly. It's thought as we look back into history. Popular consciousness? Probably consciousness. Yeah, probably not sense. our conscience. Um, it is thought that the Roman emperor Claudius had polio. There are some descriptions of him walking with a withered leg and that he probably uh, survived polio. And Sir Walter Scott famously also had polio. Uh, in 1773, he lost the use of one leg. And uh, this um, this was a lot of this inspired a lot of his work and and his life and was a mm. big turning point for him. Um, it was interesting when Sir Walter Scott got it. It was referred to as a severe teething fever, hmm. which, if you remember from our teething episode, uh, harkens to the fact that at the time many childhood illnesses were blamed on teething. Right, this, which is why we ended up doing weird stuff like cutting gums to let the teeth come through. Exactly, because and it was really just a timing thing. At the same time kids were cutting teeth is uh, the same time they, they happened to be susceptible to these kinds of diseases. And so it was thought that he got polio because of his teething. And it, again, it was thought many kids who got polio may have been related to teething. I bet that's not even right. No, you do not get polio from teething. Boom. Which is good. Charlie's teething right now. That's good. No so, polio there. No, and we didn't sleep much last night no. on the flip side. Because I was so worried about polio, but now I don't have to worry about that anymore. I meant because Charlie's teething, but... Right. Okay, yeah. Uh, Tiny Tim probably had polio. Well, I mean... <laughs> okay, no. You know that that's not like an autobiography, right? Uh, it's probably like he a, did. I mean, we don't know. No, I mean, there wasn't He lived time. so long ago. Yeah, we but, can't okay. really tell <laughs> yeah, well, if he had polio or not. Uh, well, gosh. gosh you but know, he probably did. He didn't. Uh, he might have had scurvy. Like, we have no idea. It doesn't make any sense. There's no, there was no, there was, this is not a historical account. He didn't have scurvy, though. He probably had polio. Okay, fine. The description, uh, D- Dickens' description of Tiny Tim probably in today's medical world, we would say he had polio. That was probably what he had survived, why he walked with a crutch and why he was still has sick. A clinically pure spirit and heart as big as all outdoors. And that's what's causing his problems. It's a scientific diagnosis that he's just too sweet for this world. No, I mean, no, he probably had polio. Okay. Well, okay, fine. <laughs> So, like I said, we, we see these kind of random descriptions of polio throughout history, but then uh, there weren't big epidemics, not until we get into the 1900s. And this is when we start seeing multiple cases of what becomes known as polio popping up throughout Europe and the U.S. and clustered. So not just one one kid who gets sick and, and may end up with paralysis. We see lots of kids in the same area who get sick. So it starts off in the early 1900s with uh, some clusters of cases in Louisiana. Uh, there's some scares in New York, large, I mean, big population, population center. Population dense areas, mm-hmm. yeah. 
Boston. Um, but it isn't until the summer of 1916 that we really polio really declares itself as, as such a public health threat. So up to that point, that was the largest outbreak in the U.S. and especially in New York City. Mm-hmm. There was a huge number of cases and deaths in New York City. There were overall there were 27,000 cases that summer. Uh, there were 6,000 deaths, and 2,000 of those alone were in New York. Now, when I say this doesn't sound like like giant numbers when we think about the other illnesses we've talked about, right? We talked about the plague. We talked about smallpox. Right. These numbers are, are very small compared to the kind of devastation that those illnesses caused. But you have to consider that it was striking kids. Mm-hmm. Kids were largely the people who were affected. So that's going to amp up the the the... the, the scariness of any disease exactly and this was a disease that it knew no um class boundaries it didn't matter how affluent you were everybody was susceptible and they didn't know why Mm. they knew it came in the summer Uh, we've started to figure that out we had more outbreaks in the summer uh but why what what you know what was the cause in the summer there was some thought that it was related to water um, which was not a bad, bad thought. But as a result, pools were closed. Amusement parks were closed down. Not, oh, no, not pools. <laughs> the answer the answer to cure your polio is right in front of your face. It said, you just stay in well, the pool, keep n- swimming. Well, no, okay, no. Hold on. The one treat, <laughs> it doesn't the cure one polio. The treatment the, for polio, no, wait, and you've no. closed it. Okay. You maniacs. No. See, you don't know. No, don't say those things. <laughs> But, no, at the time, pools probably were a way of spreading. No, they certainly were. I should say probably. They definitely were a way of spreading polio. Um, We'll talk a little bit about the polio virus, and I'll explain why. But uh, pools were closed. Amusement parks were closed. Beaches were closed. Uh, Everybody stayed away from public water fountains with the thought that if it had something to do with water, let's just stay away from water. Uh, people scattered from New York City, that especially that summer of 1916. They just oh, fled yeah. to all the mountains and the you know surrounding areas um, to just to try to get away, to go hide in their, you know, I don't know, their log cabins, wherever people go hide from disease. Yeah. This has happened a couple times on our show where there are a bunch of people in New York City and then they all flee to other places. Uh, yeah, it's it's an odd um, it's an odd phenomenon. You know, that's actually the only reason that people live in New Jersey. That's true. They're, New Jersey they're... was founded <laughs> by people running from polio running, New York. running from diseases in New York. They cross the state line. They're like, oh, thank goodness, no polio here. <laughs> Do you are making so many people in New Jersey mad right now? It's a fine. There there are much more ignoble ways for your state to start than people who were. <laughs> trying to get away from polio like absolutely there's no no argument there i mean i think all things being equal our state probably had a better origin just saying yeah West virginia like, we hated slavery so much yeah so we, like, so we joined the free. north and yeah, we were, like forget you sweet. virginia but like that poli- this old dominion that polio thing is cool too yeah that, i'm okay not I mean, polio not, is not you know no I mean. yeah that's not real but it, it is a fun we'll go with that it's a fun justin's story. alternative history yeah yeah okay if you uh, had someone in your home that had polio, uh, your name and address was going to be published in the paper. Oh, no. Yes. So that you would know who had polio and where they lived and stay away from them. Oh, no. Um, the people were quarantined in their homes with the, the, you know, whoever had polio within their family. And there were signs that were put on the wind in the windows, like a little sign that you had to put up that a cardboard placard that said someone in this home has polio. So kind of like the publisher's clearinghouse. So rather than bringing you an oversized check, they're bringing you 
wood to board up your home so you're stuck there (laughs) exactly and they and if you if you took the sign down or tried to evade the authorities they would i think they would just fine you i don't think they would throw you in jail but they took it very seriously nobody understood you know how to avoid polio so they just kind of locked away anybody who had it um and this was the norm for decades of summers in the i mean and this is something i don't think we appreciate now that for it was just accepted that summer's coming it's our kids are going to want to swim in the pool, but there's this thing that sometimes kids get and, and they might get paralyzed and they might die. So we don't know how to stop it. We don't know what it's linked to. Well, that's got to put a damper on the end of the school year excitement, right? Hey, Ricky, are you excited about school ending? Yeah, I'm pretty pumped. I just hope I don't get polio. <laughs> you know, <laughs> this would be a really... This would be a really good thing. I like to encourage people talk to talk to their grandparents because I don't think people appreciate in our in our culture the elderly enough. Must have been yeah, must have been terrifying. Talk to your grandparents about this. I bet that there are some wild things that I don't even know about because they're not in books and they're not easily accessible that they could tell you about living in this time period and what it was like to grow up send us with your, this fear. Send us your polio stories. Yeah. at MaximumFun.org. <laughs> Let us know because I bet your I bet your grandma and grandpa have some great stories. And don't get it secondhand from somebody else's grandma and grandpa. I want that straight from the source-ish. No, go visit them. Go to your grandma and grandma's house. They're, they're happy to hear from you. They'll probably get your favorite food or Ooh. soda or whatever breakfast treat and get it for you and give it to you Nani. and then they'll tell you stories about polio and it will be fascinating. Why, Nani, is this diet cheer wine? How thoughtful. <laughs> Did you have some stories about polio you'd like to share? So let's talk about what polio is, because we haven't covered that yeah, yet. Yeah, I'm, I'm still kind of wondering. Okay. So I wanted to build the fear of it before I tell you what it is. Because okay, I'm it, terrified. Okay, good. Because, <laughs> because that's, the, that's the world all these, all these poor people were living in. They didn't know any of this, this answer yet. So polio is a virus. It's an enterovirus. And the reason that I said swimming pools, avoiding swimming pools was probably a good idea is that it spread through what we call the fecal oral route, okay. which, yes, that's as gross as it sounds. Nice. So it's cool. sh- it's shed through the GI tract, meaning that it, it can come out your butt. It is something that you could spread from your throat, although that normally wasn't the way that I'm that suddenly very stoked that the only public pool in Huntington has now been paved over. <laughs> Uh, yes, because public pools were definitely a place where it could spread and it took a while to incubate. So up to 20 days. So you didn't necessarily know where you got it or how you got it or who gave it to you, Mm -hmm. uh, when you, when you started having symptoms. Now, the thing most people know about polio, if you know anything is, is, you know, something about paralysis and you know something about an iron lung, but what you don't know is that in 95% of cases, you probably don't know you have it. Hmm. Really? No. Most of the time, polio is not as dangerous as as what we, you know, in popular culture have come to accept. Most of the time, your body will fight it off on its own. You can give it to other people, though. Is it one of those where it continues to lie dormant inside you? Or are you just... Are you, are you just you... clear it. You're just okay. Huh. Yeah, you just, you got it. It's over. The whole time you were infectious, though. That's one scary thing, is mm. that you can even, even if you didn't have symptoms, you could give it to other people. Mm. Um in about 4% of cases, you do get some symptoms from polio, but it's mainly just what we would call upper respiratory symptoms, you know, cough, runny nose, sore throat, that kind of thing. You may get some uh, stomach symptoms, nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, which of course was worse for spreading it. Um, and you may even get some flu-like symptoms and feel kind of lousy. 
but then it will go away usually. Mm-hmm. So we're really getting down to about 1% of cases when the virus will invade the central nervous system. And that's that's what we think about when we think about polio. People who actually had the virus invade their central nervous system and then they can get paralysis of one limb, several limbs, or in the worst case scenarios, complete paralysis, which oftentimes then would lead to death. Hmm. And as I said, it's highly, highly infectious. Uh, if one person in your family had polio, it was likely that everyone in that household was going to get polio. But it, I imagine that this started to get better as like we made sanitation better, right? This is a weird case where as sanitation improved, this is actually probably why we see the big outbreaks and why as time goes on it, from, the, from the first outbreak in 1916 to the worst of them in the 1950s, as we move forward, the outbreaks get more um, deadly. Because improved sanitation meant that the age that people were getting polio started getting older. Now, this is interesting about polio. Most cases initially were among infants. Mm -hmm. And they actually had a lower incidence of causing paralysis in infants. Babies were more likely to get it, get sick, and then get better. Uh, As you get older, if you get polio as you're older, if you're, you know, five years old, nine years old, 15 years old or greater, you're more likely to get the paralysis or die from polio. So as we had improved sanitation, babies were exposed to less illnesses. You know, they just weren't, they weren't as germy. And so they were cleaner. So they didn't get polio. You didn't get polio until you were out in the world exposed to things. So we see the age of incidence increasing from like six months to four years old was, was normal Hmm. to five to nine years. And then we see a lot of cases over the age of 15. And this is where we really start seeing how deadly polio can be. Um, Because it's these older people who are getting it that, that have all of the really devastating consequences. So Sid, I'm terrified. How do we fix it? Fix it. Fix polio. Well, I'm I'm going to fix polio for you, but before I do that, I'm going to need you to head with me to the billing department. Well, let's go. The medicines, the medicines that escalate macabre for the mouth. We have just started rehearsing for the summer theater. That's right. Summer starts in March around these parts, and that means we don't have much time at all in the evenings to make dinner. But we will not be just consuming Wendy's, uh, although... There will be some Wendy's consumed, but we are going to have a little extra help with Factor, which delivers ready-to-eat, delicious meals right to your door, and not like junky stuff you get out of the freezer aisle, whatever. This is real, high-quality, chef-crafted stuff that in two minutes, you're ready to eat it. I'm talking about some Southwestern-style turkey and mac. I think this week, I'm going to be enjoying a shredded chicken taco bowl is 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 part of my plan um but they got like fancy stuff. listen to this where are you gonna get this truffle butter filet mignon i mean seriously from 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 a, a box pre-prepared all i got two minutes i mean filet mignon that sounds delicious yeah it sounds delicious and you can give these a try and it's not just these meals we're talking pancakes smoothies they got some great wellness shots that are surprisingly delicious and the meals you just eat and eat there's no prepping cooking or clean up. Get as much as you need by choosing your meals every week. You're going to get exactly what you want. No surprises here. 
Uh, and the meals, I can say, are delicious. So what do you got to lose? Head on over to factormeals.com slash sawbones50 and use code sawbones50 to get 50% off. That's code sawbones50 at factormeals.com slash sawbones50 to get 50% off. Sydney, you know how you're always saying that you'd like to build a Justin McQuarrie fan site full of all your favorite quotes, clips, videos, and hunky pictures of beloved podcaster Justin McElroy? I don't remember. Well, there's that- no need to wait any longer, Sydney, because Squarespace is going to make it easier than you could possibly believe to make a website uh, all about your favorite hunky podcasting superstar. I don't think I was going Squarespace, to— Squarespace, what is it? It's a tool—think of it as— the palette, the palette of a web design artist. But you don't have to be a web design artist. You could just take stuff off the palette that is created by real people that know what they're really doing and put it from the palette onto the easel. The metaphor is broken down. Basically, you're going to be able to create great-looking websites that have fantastic customer support and help you unlock your creativity and do whatever you want to with your small business or podcaster obsession. You can sell products. You can uh, post your videos. You can share your stories about how Justin has shaped your life and is also a fantastic father. Folks, you got to stop waiting to make your Justin McElroy fan site. Go to squarespace.com slash sawbones for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch your Justin McElroy fan site, use offer code sawbones to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Okay, so cure polio. All right, so we're it's it's 1952, and we're in the worst outbreak so far in the U.S. There are over 57,000 cases, over 3,000 deaths, over 21,000 people are left paralyzed as the result of this. Yikes! Um, and you know, in general, nobody knew what to do. Uh, and as I said, as the age of incidence starts increasing, the population becomes less immune. Because people aren't getting it as early. So Mm -hmm. then it becomes more devastating. So basically, this was a situation where we didn't know what to do, so we tried everything, right? One popular treatment for a while was to apply electricity to the legs. Kind of a a little wake up. Like a little little electric pinch. I like to call that the Dr. Frankenstein treatment. (laughs) Come on, legs. Just wake up. Wake up. (laughs) Dumb old legs. That's not... Exactly how nerves work. Nope. I like the effort. No, I like the I like, thought. I like the ingenuity, the vim, the vip, the vigor. I'm into it, but it just doesn't work like that. Um, there were almond meal baths. Just take a bath in almond meal. Mm. Sounds, I don't know, fragrant, pleasant, yeah, relaxing. Yeah, I. But that doesn't it doesn't help with polio. No. Um, there was a there was a, a poultice recipe that was very popular that included among other things it had many many ingredients, but some of the best Roman chamomile, slippery elm, and mustard. Mm, less less fragrant. <laughs> less less fragrant. Less le- even less helpful. So I would say slightly more of an olfactory challenge. I would say. <laughs> But I do, I always appreciate a good poultice. Sure. Love poultice. Why not? Love a poultice. Um, there were several things that we attempted to do as like an oral medication to give somebody by mouth. So uh, take quinine. We'd figured out that it worked for malaria. So why sure. not? Sure. It seems to be good. <laughs> not. No, don't do that. Um, caffeine was given. I don't know if that was on the basis that, hey. Wake up legs. Yeah. The electricity Part of your work. body doesn't work. Have so, a little Java. Yeah, this will wake them up. Uh, radium water we've talked about this before radiation like the the idea of of some sort of irradiated compound giving you Mm -hmm. medical therapy like that that was really popular so you would drink this water that usually had like 
the tiniest, we're talking like like homeopathic doses of, of radium in it or was mm. in an irradiated pot or something. Okay. So, so this, did, this did nothing. Um, gold was thought to be a treatment, mm-hmm. which I mean, if you're just guessing, that seems like a really expensive thing to guess. Yeah. I would start with like pyrite and see how that goes and maybe go <laughs> up to bronze. Perhaps that's the, that's the generic that you can buy. Like it, the brand name is gold, but then you get pyrite when it goes generic. <laughs> um, that's not true. Most generic drugs are pretty much the same thing as the just brand the name. Just, folks. just yeah, just don't don't forget about that. Um, over the next forty years, as we you know through from nineteen sixteen to the nineteen fifties, when we finally get to like an actual way to stop polio, um, the one of the most employed treatments was hydrotherapy that I alluded to in the beginning. Uh, we've talked a little bit about hydrotherapy before. The idea that water intrinsically heals you is basically what hydrotherapy is thought to be. You know, that if you just get in water or drink water or do a water enema or in some way interact with water, it will fix whatever's wrong with you. Well, that's not true, right? Right. Like, we know that. But this was at a time where the best that we did for polio patients was to essentially cast them cast them as in put them in casts or Mm -hmm. brace them until they couldn't move to what end the thought was that because your limbs would become withered that if you could hold the limb in the right position that this you wouldn't develop like there are things contractures is like a limb kind of it flexes or bends on its own you know and the thought was that if we just strapped you to a board or casted you so you couldn't move these things wouldn't happen And the okay. nerves would fix themselves. So we this was in a time period where the, the common treatment for a polio patient was to strap them to a board, essentially, for months at a time. So you would just be stuck in your house for eight months, strapped to something or casted in your full body in an attempt to fix things. Um, and all that was happening this entire time is that your muscles were atrophying, both the muscles that were affected by the polio and then all the other muscles that maybe weren't were affected you know, by the casting itself. And then you, then you lost any strength you may have had. So with that in mind, hydrotherapy was actually a pretty decent idea. Um, it was mainly popularized by FDR. Oh, sure. Yeah. He had polio. Probably. There's actually some thought now that maybe he didn't, that maybe he had Guillain-Barre syndrome. What? Yes. But I think that let's go ahead and go with the idea that maybe he did have polio because of all he did for polio patients. Isn't it more polio isn't victims? It like, isn't he a greater hero if he didn't have polio? Then he's just a nut who hated polio. So well, no, no, he really did have. I'm gonna get you polio. Is the last thing I do. <laughs> he really did have a. I'm condition. not gonna let my Guillaume Barre slip me down from getting you polio. <laughs> FDR, whatever the cause was, really did become paralyzed from the waist down for a period of time. The thing is, he got he got better. And the way in which he got better, we started to wonder, was it did he really have polio or did he have something that was probably going to get better anyway? We don't know. It doesn't really matter what he did for polio patients and for the cause of people with disabilities in this country. I think it's whatever he had. Uh, he popularized hydrotherapy. He went to Warm Springs, Georgia, because somebody told him, hey, the, there are these springs there. There are these warm springs. And they're they're really great, and they'll bring your strength back, so check them out. So he went down, he swam in these waters, and he thought it was had something to do with the minerals and stuff that fixed his muscles. Um, in reality, getting in the water and moving around was probably a great thing to do. 
just to keep exercising your muscles and do something that you didn't have any resistance. So no matter how much strength you'd lost, you could still participate in. So we opened a polio rehab facility there at Warm Springs. And, uh, and it was the imminent, you know, the preeminent place to go if you had polio. And then there were a lot of other places that mimic that. And this probably was really helpful. It doesn't cure polio. It's not the only treatment, but it, you know, it certainly is helpful for people. Um, and it was good if you consider that the other options at the time were things like surgeries to lengthen your limbs or electrotherapy where we shock you or vitamin C, which we know doesn't help. No. Uh, one mention, Unless, like Tiny Tim, you actually have scurvy, in which case that is going to fix you right up. No, Tiny Tim had polio. Okay. Now, one thing I should mention is the iron lung, because I think a lot of people hear about it and wonder what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, initially, an iron lung, so it was a way to, people with polio, as they became, became paralyzed, lost the ability to, to breathe. They lost the muscles that helped them breathe. Mm-hmm. And so they wouldn't, weren't able to breathe. An iron lung was a way to force your chest in and out to make you breathe. So like a ventilator. Except it was external. A vent, you know, a ventilator now is like a tube that goes down your throat and breathes for you. So it's more like it treats you like a big squeezy toy. Yes. Okay. Yes, exactly. I'm with you. It was initially an electric motor hooked up to two vacuum cleaners. Cool. Cool invention. <laughs> and if you you can Google pictures of this, you're laying in a giant metal, it looks like a coffin. Yeah. With your head sticking out. Um, there were actually walls of them where they would put several people in the same one. It almost looks like um, like where you put bodies, like the, you know what I mean? The drawers where they put cadavers. I think they're just drawers. <laughs> anyway, with heads sticking out. And they would put several children in one of them. And you would apply positive pressure to make you breathe out and negative pressure would make you breathe in. And it definitely saved lives for the moment. But overall, the mortality rate was high because you can't live in one of those. But people did for a while. People lived in iron lungs for quite a while. Um, And obviously, this was later replaced by ventilators, which is a much better way of of taking care of this. Um, Or in one outbreak in 1952 in Copenhagen, it was just a bunch of medical students with ambu bags. The bags that you squeeze the air into people's mouths instead of iron lungs. I know, if you can imagine that. That sounds exhausting. There was one uh, treatment for polio that that we should mention it's called the kinney regimen so like i mentioned at the time the the status quo for polio patients was to strap them to boards and cast them until they couldn't move well there was an australian nurse uh sister elizabeth kinney she a nun no she was not a nun uh sister is apparently or at least was the british title for a chief nurse uh and she was a chief nurse in world war one okay so i don't know if that's still the title they use but sister elizabeth kenny instead of casting patients she thought that was dumb um she thought it was better to start moving them as early as possible so she introduced a regimen of applying heat packs to their atrophied muscles and getting them up and moving them with physical therapy and exercise passive movement movement just moving them around and everything and that's still the standard of care today I love it. The Kinney Regimen. It challenged all the, the probably mostly male doctors at the time who were saying, no, 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 don't do this. And she said, no, I know better. I can figure this out. Now, Sydney, we've had a lot of fun here today, but we still have polio kicking around. And I know it's not around right now here in America, at least. Is it, is it around worldwide? It's still... We'll get to that, I'm sure. I'm rushing you. How did we make our first, like, 
big dent into polio. So first we had to figure out what was causing it. And John Enders was able to do that by growing the virus in a culture in the early 1900s or in in 1948-ish, nine, something like that. And that was the big, that was a big breakthrough because that led us to be able to create a vaccine. You have to have the virus if you can create a, to create a vaccine against it. Um, So the first polio vaccine, Jonas Salk created it. Um, it, it's the injection. So it's the vaccine you and I probably both received, not mm-hmm. the one that you take by mouth, the one that you get a shot. Um, and then later, Albert Sabin created the the oral polio vaccine, which I've heard some of, I think that's probably what our parents got, which is they mm. put it, would put it on a sugar cube hmm. okay. and it was an oral vaccine. Um, as a result of these vaccines, we see them introduced in like 1953, 54, and then later the Sabin vaccine, the cases of polio just drastically start declining. We Mm -hmm. see polio disappearing virtually as as we start vaccinating the population. Um, What's fascinating about the Salk vaccine is, one, he tested it on himself. He tested it on his own family. And then... He, they basically put it out. It's like a public health triumph. They put it out to all the parents in the U.S. and said, who wants to volunteer their kid to get this experimental vaccine? We think it will save them from polio, but we're not sure. We think it'll work. What do you think? Do you know that over a million parents were willing to sign up? That's insane. Can you imagine that today? I, you know what? If, if I say no, but like... We haven't had a public health threat like this. You know what? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, we've had some that are more insidious. Like, I, you could make the argument that obesity is, like, is, is worse in a sense, but it's not that, like, panic-inducing. Like, mm-hmm. I could see definitely, like, people, like, you and I, for example, if, if we were faced with a similar situation, I think we have enough sort of faith in science that we would, you know, you know that's what it is, it's right? It's having faith in science. And yeah. I don't know, head to head, did people have more faith in science then or now? I don't know. I don't let's, know. Let's, you're let's listening. Ho- let's hope so. we don't have to find <laughs> out. I know right? your answer. Yeah, right. Uh, so they did. They did these huge trials. Um, it was a it was a huge success. Um, the Salk vaccine worked well because it didn't, it was a killed vaccine. So it, it couldn't cause polio. That was a side effect uh, rarely of the Sabin vaccine, the oral vaccine. It was a live vaccine. Mm-hmm. But the oral vaccine was so much easier to distribute that it was really instrumental in eliminating polio out of a, out of a lot of developing countries. Excellent. Um, you know, they didn't patent them. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Uh, actually, Jonas Salk's response when he was asked if he would patent it was, you can't patent the sun. Oh my god, I'm gonna cry. I know. <laughs> oh my god, I'm gonna cry. So, I am gonna cry. A lot of the vaccine effort to get to get it out and vaccine vaccinate all the kids was funded by the March of Dimes, which we're, we're familiar with. FDR was instrumental in this effort um, in in creating public awareness of the you know of polio, the importance of the vaccine, the cost, um, both in like physical loss of ability and money in treating people with polio and long-term rehabbing people with polio. And he changed the way that we look at public health and people with disabilities forever, you know? Uh, so... (laughs) Justin's got to stop crying. Stop crying for a second. And also, uh, get your kids vaccinated. Get your kids vaccinated. Polio only exists in a few places on Earth now. We're still working on eradicating it worldwide. We can. We can do that. Um, But you can do your part by... Just keep getting vaccinated. Yep. Um, <laughs> and, and 
thank your lucky stars and talk to your grandparents. Yeah, talk to your grandparents. Let's get those polio <laughs> stories coming in. Uh, uh, thank you so much to the Maximum Fun Network for having us as a part of their podcast family. There's a ton of great shows you can go listen to. Uh, Jordan, Jesse, go. Uh, lady to Lady, uh, uh, One Bad Mother, Stop Podcasting Yourself. Uh, there are many for you to enjoy. My brother, my brother, and me. Uh, thank you, thank you, dear. Um, you could listen to the Adventure Zone. It's a D and D podcast I do with my brothers and my dad. My wife doesn't listen, but maybe you could. Maybe you'd like it more than she might. I don't He's know. Play- I mean, it's D and I don't. Okay, you listen to it. And let me know if you like it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we're on Twitter at Sawbones, and we have our own addresses. I'm at Justin McElroy, and I'm at Sydney McElroy. S Y D N E E. And uh, thanks to the taxpayers for letting us use their song "Medicines." Uh, they're the taxpayers on Twitter if you want to go thank them and then buy their music and I'm sure they would appreciate that they're a DIY punk band so I'm sure they'd they'd appreciate a little uh, extra extra cash in their pocket and uh, that's gonna do it for us uh, until next time uh, we have a, a medical issue for you till next Wednesday uh, I'm Justin McElroy I'm Sydney McElroy as always don't drill a hole in your head MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.